This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. You know, it is what it is, man. I'm not that. I'm not that upset over it, which is another weird one for me. You know what I mean? I'm happy. With, I put in an immense amount of work. I gave it me all. I'll regroup for sure. You know what I mean? I'll adopt maybe a different stance. And you know, every opponent is a, has a different. You know, you have to approach things differently with everyone. And cell pause and that back back kick wrapping around the front part of the muscle on the lo- on that low leg is something that I must adjust to. So um, it's not like it's not within me to do that. So that's what I will do. Packers oh, that is Conor McGregor. Oh, oh, dang it. Uh, <laughs> no? Wasn't Eric? Very good. Damn. Very good. Damn. I like that. Mr. Bymile. Uh, I, I, I never understand. I don't know if I like it or I don't like it MMA? about the MMA. <laughs> that a lot of times they're not that disappointed in the loss. Like, I know they're disappointed, but... um. It's like they have almost like too good of an outlook on it. <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> you know. No, listen, make no mistake about it. Like he, I mean, props to him for doing the press conference after a loss. I mean, that's never easy either, you know. And he, he, he faced that loss like a man, stood in front of the media and and answered the questions that he had to answer. And listen, that, that's no fun in a football game, especially in a fight, though. After you just had somebody that you know beat your butt, let's just say. I think it still meant a lot to him. But at the same time, like, and he even alluded to this, like, two leg kicks, two kicks to your calf was the entire difference of that fight. If he doesn't get kicked twice in the calf, you know, if it, I mean, like, people stub their toes or, you know, stub, uh, you know, like their, their ankle all the time on the bed frame. Like, if Conor McGregor doesn't get twice, doesn't get kicked twice in the calf, it could be a completely different fight. And yeah. that's the way it goes. So I just think where he was coming from is the fact that, hey, I mean, you know, he, he, he trained. He did what he had to do. He put in all the work. He felt great. Um, you know, the press conferences before the fight were fine. He sounded, I mean, he was more of a humble guy, but everything went on point. And then you get in the cage, and for whatever reason, it just wasn't your night. I just think that he, he's seen so much, Brent, um, and he's been through so much that this loss right here uh, – it doesn't even quantify of this that burst that he's had to face in terms of, you know, the legal system, number one, but also some other loss that he's had. Yeah, I guess that's true. Easier to put it in perspective, uh, yeah. perhaps, uh, no doubt about it. So we'll see what's up next for Conor McGregor uh, in uh, UFC. Hey, are they ever leaving Fight Island, or are they just staying out no, there? No, so, <laughs> that's a good question. Um, so they're heading back now for, I think, three fights are going to be in Vegas at the Performance Center. Um, so right now it's open-ended when the next time they're going to go to Fight Island is. I think Dana White at that press conference after the fight said sometime possibly in June or July. But now they're going to be back in Vegas. Okay. Uh, Brent Martineau here at TPC Sawgrass, home of the Players' Championship, 43 days away. So what's that, about six weeks away mm-hmm. uh, from the Players' Championship, kind of where the world stopped in sports. At least we were here for it uh, when the NBA shut down, everything else with the pandemic. What a wild year it's been. It seems like 12 years in one, uh, yet it seems like just yesterday. A little media day today. I mean, the course is – I mean, do we ever have to really say the course is unbelievable? The course is unbelievable. I did say to somebody uh, today when we were playing it, from a golf perspective, the chance – the the idea that we get to play this once in a while, whether it's once a year, maybe sometimes a little bit more if you're in a tournament or something like that, uh, we take it for granted because this place is just unreal. They've got it in great shape. It's a beautiful day here uh, on a uh, Monday early evening, late afternoon, and uh, glad to be along with the Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Austin Lane back in the studios. 
Uh, we're going to get to the Chiefs, and uh, I have a question about them from a schematic standpoint that I, I want to ask you. And also a little something on the Bucks that somebody brought up on Twitter yesterday, and I, and I thought it was a good um, note, and I don't know if it matters, but I thought it was an interesting observation. Before we do that, let's get to South Beach Gary uh, here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Happy Monday, man. How you doing, guys? Oh, by the way, I wanted you to say a belated happy second anniversary. I'm sorry, I forgot to say it before. But... No, no problem. Thank you very much. Well, a, a couple of things. I wanted to talk about Stafford, and uh, I have a golf question for you, Brent, if you don't mind. Uh, Uh-oh. Do you think it would be worth the Dolphins taking a flyer on Stafford for, say, a third-round pick? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say, uh, listen, the bottom line, let me ask you that, South Beach Gary. I mean, would you rather, you rather have two or, or Stafford? No doubt, right? It's Stafford. Right, because, you know, apparently they're not totally sold on two. You know, I don't, I'm not privy to see two, two in practice, but, uh, you know, maybe he's having more trouble coming off that injury than, uh, you know, that they thought he maybe hasn't progressed. I don't know. It's, I think it's still a lot, I think it's still not completely fair that I judge him since it's only been a little over a year. Yeah, I, I agree with that, too. And you could make the case that, by the way, Tua should have sat the whole year anyway, coming off the hip. That was such a big injury. Mm-hmm. And so I, I wouldn't give up on the fifth overall pick. I don't know if he's shown me yet. I mean, again, guys change. Remember how they were talking about Josh Allen now, his rookie season. So, again, let's not shut the door on Tua. But if you're asking that you could be in play for whether it's Deshaun Watson, now you'd have to package to him most likely in that situation, or Stafford, I think those situations, the way your defense is built and the money you're spending on defense, they make some sense to Miami. Just a matter of what it would cost you uh, to do it. And I don't know if a third-round pick is going to be it for Stafford. I'm not sure what it will cost. See, but I'm going to be honest, though. I think it's a bad move to bring Stafford to Miami just because if you're Flores and company uh, and that whole front office, like, listen, you chose to draft Tua in the first round. You picked him at number five, okay? So you gave up a lot to get Tua there. So now you have to see it through. I feel like if you bring Stafford in, that's showing to you that you made a mistake um, as a coach and as an organization, and a year later you're ready to write that mistake off and bring in Matthew Stafford. I just don't think you run a football operation like that. Well, yeah, well, okay, but you got to admit mistakes or that you can do better. It's not necessarily you're making a mistake. If you think you can do better and it's a feasible chance to do it, again, there's a cap space involved here. He's got a big contract. What you could get him for, I don't. First of all, you have to be willing to admit mistakes. That's what you have to be able to do in the NFL because the bravo and the ego get you stuck in a rut. That's what it does. Um, and I, I understand you don't want to give up on a guy either, but your window, you spent a ton of money on that defense um, this past offseason. You're paying guys. I don't know about a ton, but you're paying guys. You're invested. You're pretty good. If it makes you go over the top, I mean, again, I don't know if it's mistake necessarily. It might just be I can do better. And I can do better is not a bad thing to ask yourself in every organization. I guess, man. But I, I just think that, listen, if you're a Dolphins fan and all of a sudden Chris Greer goes, you know what, let's bring in Stafford because Tua's not going to be the guy, how much confidence do you have in your GM then we can't even select the right quarterback in the draft after one season? You're ready to give up on him. Yeah, I guess, again, I, I would go, I'd look at it two ways. He's got the cojones to pull the trigger and say, okay. I think I can do better. <laughs> you know, I mean, I... It's uh, it's it's tricky. I understand what you're saying. I just don't know if I fully agree with that in that sense. All right, let's bring South Beach Gary on. He had a golf question. Let's see if I can answer it. I don't know. Uh, no, I did not play great today. Right. I think it's uh, GM's job to explore all options. Anyhow, it doesn't hurt. I think to do 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 due diligence. I think that's his job as a GM. 
But uh, Brent, uh, Jessica Corda and Danielle Kang were in a playoff, right? And they're taking golf carts up to the playoff hole. And Je- and uh, Danielle Kang was on a cell phone. I, I thought you couldn't use electronic devices during a round. How do we know, and I'm not accusing her, but how do we know she's not getting instruction huh. while the round's still going on? I didn't know that that was legal. That's a great tour. call. That's a good call, man. Uh, I'm going to look into it because, I, honestly, I, I would just be guessing. My, and I'm going to get – I'll give you a guess initially. Thanks for the call, South Beach Gary. Appreciate it here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Uh, I'll have to reach out. Well, I'm in a good place to probably ask <laughs> here at TVC Sawgrass. Somebody probably know. I wonder if you're allowed to do that in that setting because you've concluded your round technically. So there's. it's almost like – not allowing you to use your phone from Saturday night into Sunday after the third round. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, I, I wonder if there's a designation for that. But I do think the spirit of Gary's question is an interesting one. So I'll look up that up, uh, try to try to get back to you on it, um, because I really don't know the answer. I, I'm just thinking from a logical standpoint, that would make sense to me, that you've concluded your round. Uh, like here, I'll give you an example, and this is why I think I'm right on this. If... In, in golf, you can finish at, let's just say, 4 o'clock in the afternoon because you were an earlier person off. And you went out and shot a 62. So you climbed the leaderboard. Now you're in the lead. Well, what you do for the next two hours is wait for the other folks to finish. So you're telling me that you can't use your cell phone over the next two hours, even, th- even though you might get in a playoff? And what if you do get in the playoff? Would you be penalized? So I, I think I'm probably correct in, in that uh in that answer, in, in the fact that your round is complete, be and it's almost like a different entity when that playoff starts. But uh, I like the question, and uh, now now you got me curious. So thank you, uh, South Beach Gary. Hey, I've got a question for you, Austin. We talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. They look unstoppable at times. I really felt the Bills had a good chance going into that game. One, because I felt Bills Mafia had a wave going and it just felt like a good thing yeah. with Buffalo. I might have got wrapped up in that. But I also didn't think the Chiefs had played unbelievable football by their standard over the last month. And then after that 9 nothing deficit, they played pretty darn good football. And that's what they can be. That's what they have been for the better part of two years, really almost going on three years. Why? Like, yeah. Why can't they be stopped? I get it. They've got Kelsey. They've got Mahomes. They've got a little bit of a running game. Got a pretty good offensive line. Their defense is better in the last couple of years than it, than it certainly was like the first time they got hot. Uh, they've, they've got weapons. But in the NFL, we see teams catch up. Right? Right? Every team has to be studying Kansas City, and yeah. how do I stop that? Yet here we are three years later, and especially the last two seasons, and it really still looks unstoppable. Why is that? You know, if we go back the past couple of years um, and we analyze offenses and we analyze successful offenses, they almost come across for the ones that have stood out. For instance, let's go back to 2019. Uh, Actually, 2000, it would have been 2000. uh, Yeah, 2019, when it was the Rams and the Patriots. That year was the year that Sean McVay got put on the map a little bit. Right. And everybody that knew Sean McVay seemed to get a job because of the offense that he was running in L.A. Now, the offense that he was running in L.A., I mean, for lack of a better word, it was it was a tight bunch, a tight three by one. Okay, And to kind of clarify that and, you know, to, to the lame person here, basically what that was is it was three receivers on one side and one receiver on the other side. 
But the difference was that they brought those three receivers closer to where the offensive linemen are. And in doing that, it made everything a little more condensed. Now, you would say, well, why would you make it more condensed? Because you can run the football out of that formation. And the crossing routes happen a little quicker out of that formation. And when you have guys like Brandon Cooks and Josh Reynolds and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, guys that have really fast footwork that can run good routes, you have something special there. So, like, that was the story. That was the talk of the town in 2019, the L.A. Rams. Well, what happens? They play the Patriots in the Super Bowl, and New England absolutely shuts it down, right? They, they play a lot of press coverage. Um, they disrupt those routes, that timing, and all of a sudden it was kind of like it was a fad. Like, it yeah. lasted for a little bit, and then it was gone because the next year the Rams weren't even close to what they were able to accomplish back in 2019. So then let's go back to this past season, Brent. Let's talk about the Baltimore Ravens real quick. And, and listen, and I, I'm guilty as charged in talking about the Ravens. I thought that the Ravens were going to be too talented and too successful not to succeed. Obviously, talking about the Baltimore Ravens' success on offense, it stems around Lamar Jackson and his ability to run that offense. But keep in mind, at the time, they had tight ends. They had Mark Andrews playing at a very high level. They had Hayden Hurst, Nick Boyle, uh, and they had a pretty solid run game with Mark Ingram as well. They were just a smash-mouth team that had the electricity of Lamar Jackson. And I thought, like, there's no way a team will be figuring out how to stop Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Now, they may not go to the Super Bowl that year, but, like, for the next 10 years or so on, who's going to stop that? How can you stop that? Well, AFC Championship game, last season, I'm sorry, uh, divisional game, last season, what happens? Titans-Ravens. And we saw what happened. The, Mike Vrabel and that defense figured out a way how to stop Lamar Jackson. You take away the middle of the field, you put a quarterback spy on Lamar Jackson, and all of a sudden that offense looks a little more pedestrian. And that's been the MO to beat the Ravens ever since. Now, the Ravens still have had success, don't get me wrong, but they haven't taken upon the notch that they did last year. Obviously, last year, Lamar Jackson, MVP. This year, yeah, you know, it is what it is. So now let's fast forward to this season. Kansas City Chiefs. And this is the difference between the fads that were the Ravens' offense and the fad that was, and I say fad with all due respect. I mean, there's still, you know, there's still valuable offenses, there's still respectable offenses, but they don't have that glimpse that you saw before, or the LA Rams of you know 2019. The difference between the Kansas City Chiefs and those teams are, listen, the Chiefs are doing nothing new. It's not like they have these crazy formations that you haven't seen before. Like even Kelsey's touchdown pass that you saw, you know, where he's at the goal line and then he kind of motions over and he gets that shovel pass. Like we've seen that before a couple times, you know, a couple seasons ago. But the difference is, is that any type of defense, whether you're Bill Belichick, name your defensive coordinator, the goal is to take somebody away. And the problem with the Kansas City Chiefs is when you try to take Travis Kelsey away, you still have Tyreek Hill. If you try to take Tyreek Hill away, you still have Miko Hardman, or you still have, you know, when he's healthy, a solid running game with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire or somebody else. It's just basically what the Chiefs do, Brent, is they put you in a boat, and there's like 10 <laughs> holes. No, I'm serious. Like the, the Chiefs' offense is basically you're in a boat, and there's 10 holes in this boat, and you're in the middle of the ocean. And all you can do is take the supplies that you have, your, your, your hands or a piece of cloth, and you try to clog as many holes as possible and hope you don't drown. But the problem is, is that you don't have enough tools at your disposal to clog all those holes. So there's going to be leaks. So all you can do is hold on and hope you get help or you drown. And that's what the Kansas City offense has been these past couple years. Yeah, I, it's a good description. It, uh, <laughs> so you got to hope that, 
you find the right hole to <laughs> to, to stop, and they make the bad decisions, right? Yeah. I mean, a lot, you do it. That's where you got to give them credit. They seem like they find the open guy, the right guy's in the right spot, and obviously there are some incredible plays. There are two plays, and I, now I forget where. I think it was 14 to nine at the time, so it might have been that third touchdown in a row. But Mahomes was sacked. It looked like he could have been sacked by, first of all, the left defensive end, then the right defensive end. And he he got away from both and delivered it for like a 15, 18, 20-yard play. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not sure we're giving Mahomes enough credit because, and I'm guilty of this too, because I'm like, okay, well, he's playing with like a video game. How hard can it be? But he is incredible in finding the right way to hit. A, B, X, Y, whatever one you need to hit to, sure. to find the open guy. I mean, he, he's just been terrific. All right, I have a, a different topic, and I'm totally stealing this one from social media. I think it was Bolt City Cap, by the way, so I'm giving him credit. Um, I don't know why I'm giving him credit, but I, I'm going to give him credit. It, it might not even have been him, but I'm going to give him credit. <laughs> so uh, he said, I think it was, I think they had this conversation floating around. It doesn't feel, and I think he might have used this word, but I'm going to use it if he didn't. It doesn't feel as authentic for Tampa making the Super Bowl because they kind of just pulled this collection of people together, Brady included, but Brady and Fournette and and Dominican Sue and you know you yeah, name right yeah, yeah. Uh, Antonio Brown. I know he didn't play yesterday, but mm-hmm. and you pull all those teams, all those people together. It feels a little bit more like the Red Sox, the Yankees, the Dodgers. You know, those kind of teams building to win it all, then maybe it does Houston, who won the World Series because of the homegrown. Now, that was a little tainted, but uh, the homegrown stuff. Uh, maybe even the Cubs, they kind of homegrown. Now, they added some pieces. But I, I understand his point. I get it. It's like I feel good for Bucks fans, much like I felt good for Bills fans and Browns fans this year. Listen, Bucks haven't had a good run at it. But it does kind of feel like they – I guess, quote-unquote, bought the team. You, you, you know what I mean? Basically what you're saying is that their Super Bowl Super Bowl run and their success has kind of manufactured and not homegrown. Yeah, it's and, not and by the way, I think it's Jason Light, right? Or like is that who it is? Yeah, L-I-C-H-T. Um, is there GM? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I think it is. Well, he deserves a lot of credit. <laughs> he does. Because he put all the pieces together. Much like Elway did with all the um, the guys in Denver when he brought those free agents in. You know, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was a little bit different, but he hit on a ton of free agents that year. And it kind of feels like that in Tampa. So, therefore, is there a little bit of a, an authenticity where this league is full of people who build through the draft and they're kind of just going out and grabbing people, made the right choices, and bam, See, all of a sudden they're going to win it? I disagree. And they get the ultimate cheat code, by the way, in Tom Brady. No, for sure. <laughs> and, and, and listen, like, I, I disagree to an extent. All right? Because the reason why I say that is, let's be honest here. Like, this is... The, the cool thing about football, at least so we're told, is the fact that when we watch teams come up from the ashes, it's like there's supposed to be a gradual time. Like very rarely do you see a team finish third or fourth in their division the next year they're going to the Super Bowl. Now the Jacksonville Jaguars in 2017 could be that outlier a little bit. Or 2018? I don't, I don't even remember anymore. 2017, whatever well, it was. Well, it was yeah. 18, a Eight, playoff yeah, year. Yeah, playoff year. 17. Season. 17, yeah. But um, usually it's not supposed to happen like that. Usually, like you're supposed to spot a team and be like, okay, like yeah, they're they're paying their dues, and yeah, I get now they're going to the Super Bowl. Tampa Bay, like while they may have paid some dues, 
it's all because of Tom Brady. Now, I get it. Like, you bring Leonard Fournette, you bring Gronk in, but it's all about Tom Brady, right? It's all about LeBron James going to Miami. It's about LeBron James going to L.A. Like, Tom Brady pulled the LeBron. Now, I'm not mad at it, and it doesn't cheapen that to me because nobody said anything when Peyton Manning went to Denver. Okay, now, granted, Peyton Manning maybe didn't have the, as much of influence as Tom Brady does in this team this year, but it's close, Brent. It's got to be close. So... I'm not mad at the Buccaneers, and even the fact that, you know what, that they want to say if it's manufactured or not, that's supposed to be the mark of a good team. And I talk about this all the time. The whole point of free agency is that you go after a couple guys, but especially that one guy, because you're one guy away from going to the Super Bowl. You have all the pieces put in place, and you're one guy away. Well, for a long time, we've talked about how good Tampa Bay's defense is. You know, for a long time, or for a couple of years, we talked about how good Tampa Bay's wide receivers are. And then you bring in Tom Brady, the X Factor, that one guy from free agency that could kind of put you over the top, and it did. So to me, it's not so much that it's manufactured. To me, it's just it's the NFL correcting itself, and, it, and it's the NFL uh, formula working as it's supposed to. Yeah, um, fair enough. <laughs> I just thought it was good. What, what do you think about it? No, I mean, that's okay. Like, I'm I'm not uh, – I, I guess I I understood, I think, like I said, I think it was Bolt City Cap that brought it up on Twitter. I understand his point, and I could feel that a little bit, uh, but I don't hate it. Like, I'm not sitting here hating it that uh, that they're going to the Super Bowl. and I mean, I that's how you do it, man. I mean, it's a puzzle piece. If you can figure it out, like, I don't hate the Dodgers. My team in baseball, the Red Sox, do that sometimes. You still have to be good. You know, you yeah. still have to make decisions. You still have to make plays. So to me, it doesn't take anything away. I just think um, it might be from a feel of rallying around it and being like, hey, that's a cool story. Like Buffalo would have been a cool story, right? Green Bay feels more like a cool story. And at the end of the day, you know what's funny about it? Is they all might have the same amount of free agents they signed. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for you sure. Know? Yeah. But we just feel like some of these big, almost reclamation projects, like Gronk coming out of retirement and Antonio Brown finding a place in the last half of the year, mm. you know, it just, I think it's those guys and even Fournette to a degree, right? Mm-hmm. Fournette gets dumped and where does he end up? Oh, <laughs> he ends up, and, and by the way, Kansas City is similar with Le'Veon Bell. Le'Veon Bell wants out, okay, go to Kansas City, you know, like the rich get richer. So there's a little – I understand the context of it. I don't hate it, um, but it is uh, – I think it's an interesting point. I think it's a valid point. I think there's two ways to look at it of, of how you structure and build a team. And now the Bucks have a chance to uh, go chase that Super Bowl with Tom Brady, who, who, by the way, is still amazing. I just don't think we can sleep on the three straight picks. I mean, that second half was not good for Brady. No. But he was so dang good in the first half. Well, and it also it begs the question, too, right? Because, I mean, what's been kind of – well, it's kind of been the, the calling card of the NFL recently. It's high-powered offenses and defenses come second. Well, now you have two very high-powered offenses. You got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk on one side. You got, you know, Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey on the other side. Patrick Mahomes, obviously, and Brady. From, I mean, and we, we have plenty of time to break this thing down. But to, to me, Brett, like, do you think we're going to see a high-powered offensive showdown? Or do you think – because I think Kansas City is the favorite here, as they should be. Or yeah, is, is Tampa Bay's best bet is to not get in a firefight with the Kansas City Chiefs? Because we've seen teams try to do that, and guess what? It doesn't work out so well. 
Yeah, I liked what I saw of the Bucks defense yesterday, and I think yeah. that gives them a chance to win. And here's the thing I say about Brady and Rodgers has a thing. They can slow the tempo of the game down when they want to. Mm-hmm. And these long, sustained drives. And Patrick Mahomes is very savvy, can do it too. But I think they can also score so quickly that uh, it might not even matter. I mean, the, you know, you can try to slow the game down, limit the possessions. The bottom line is if you don't force field goals or force them to punt, you're going to lose anyway. True, <laughs> so true. Uh, we'll continue to break down the game. Hey, uh, Coach Mike Krzyzewski got in a little bit of hot water over the weekend. I didn't ask you about this, Austin. When I hear a sound bite, and I want your reaction to it because there was something done today to add to the story with the legendary Duke head coach. We'll get to it on the way. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690, live from TPC Sawgrass, home of the Players' Championship, just 43 days away. Brent Martineau. They probably already have one. Cornholing. Austin Lane. (laughs) You're going to have a call from PR in a little bit here. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Hi, Coach. I'm just curious as to what, what the next step forward here is for the team as you guys move into another week of basketball. Yeah, why don't we just evaluate this game? You know, I'm not into what our next step forward is right now. We just finished the hard-fought game. I, mean, I don't know if, like, when you, what, what, what's your major? What's your major at Duke? What's your hardest class? Econ. Okay, so say you just had the toughest econ test in the world, and when you walked out, somebody asked you, what's your next step? Uh, you see what I mean? Is that you have some empathy and, and you know, just give us time to evaluate this game and then we'll we'll figure out just like we always try to do. <laughs> All right. So that's Mike Shishetsky, Coach Mike Shishetsky. Yeah, yeah. Legend. Yeah. Right. Did he have a problem with that? Can can did I just say, whenever I did fail a test, the first question my parents asked me was like, so what now? How yeah, do you fix well, that's, this? That, that's kind of what I thought to myself, too. Is like, okay, I just failed this <laughs> thing. Now what I have to do to try to get a passing grade. What did you ask, Brent? How do I feel but, about it? Well, did you have – here's the thing, okay? Over the weekend, people got – a lot of people – and some people took different sides to it. But people were like, I can't believe – Coach K just went after this student well, reporter. Barstool Sports put it out, and then they made it sound like a big deal, even though it wasn't. But they weren't the only ones. I understand okay. Barstool put it out initially, but there yeah. were some like college basketball writers and not the Barstoolies <laughs> of the world, yeah. and just trying to get you know attention. Um, there were people that really thought, uh, and so much so. So is Barstool making Coach K apologize? But there was enough that he apologized today to the kid. And the kid has now written, and by the way, there's nothing wrong with the kid here. I'm not blaming the kid. I'm just saying, I didn't see anything there. Like, I'm okay if we're going to hammer a coach for the way he acts and says, come on, man, settle down. But I, I guess I've been in many a press conference. I didn't think that was bad, whether it was student reporter or not. Uh, I was just curious what you guys thought. I mean, was I mean, was that a big deal? I don't Necessarily think it was the biggest of deals, but at the same time, like you can't like you haven't heard that question before. I mean, the kids literally asked you, "What's the plan after this game?" Like that—that's not a out of the realm question. Like that—that that question gets asked all the time, and I think that in the five seconds that kid asked the question. To respond to that with a two-minute, you know, grilling question of like, well, what, what do you do in college? Like, well, imagine, like, all you got to say is, hey, you know what, we're still on this game right now, but in another week or so, we're on to the next one. Like, you could tell by his voice 
and just his reaction that Chesky was obviously upset with that question. Now, I think he wasn't upset with the kid, but he was a little annoyed at that question at that time. Now, maybe the game didn't go the way he wanted, obviously, and he's got a lot of other things on his mind. But, like, to me, all you had to say was, we're still on this game right now. Let me watch it, and then I'll, I'll, go, I'll get back to you. That's all you had to say. Well, I understand you can always say different things. I, I, I just think... I mean, here we are two days later. We're out, we're talking about on the show. He's apologized. Like, did he have to apologize for anything he said? I mean, come on, kid. You're going to Duke. Like, if if you want to be in this setting, I mean, welcome to the business, I guess. What did the kid like, do wrong? Like, did, did the kid ask for an apology? Well, no, I, and that's what I did say. I mean, it's fair, it just feels like Twitter and, and, and social media are, are forcing Coach K to say sorry because – he was maybe didn't give the answer that everybody wanted to hear, or maybe handle it a little bit more easygoing than he did. But and in fairness, you're right to the kid. I don't think the kid would have cared either way. I mean, I really don't. I, I don't. Um, instead, now he's he's written an article about it, and now today even more Get for the kid. <laughs> I know the kid's probably got like however many followers, but um, I it, it was. It was just a topic over the weekend, and I, I thought it was interesting. And then, obviously, the new information today is that he apologized. And so, if you if you hadn't heard it and you just heard it, Kuz, let's play it again because now that we're putting it into some context, uh, in case you haven't heard it in the past over the weekend, this was after the Duke game, another loss, which Duke is not very good this year. Nope. Um, and they have hardly played this year, quite frankly. Uh, and the student reporter. From, from Duke asked this question, and this was the response from Coach K that now has prompted him to apologize to the student reporter today. Hi, Coach. I'm just curious as to what, what the next step forward here is for the team as you guys move into another week of basketball. Yeah, why don't we just evaluate this game? You know, I'm not into what our next step forward is right now. We just finished the hard-fought game. I don't know if, like, when you, what, what, what's your major? What's your major at Duke? What's your hardest class? Econ. Okay. So say you just had the toughest econ test in the world, and when you walked out, somebody asked you, what's your next step? Uh, you see what I mean? Does that you have some empathy and and you know just give us time to evaluate this game and then we'll we'll figure out just like we always try to do. Yeah, like yeah. I kind of agree with you guys, right? It's like he answered. It was a bad answer because no, what you would do is be like, what the hell do I have to do next? You don't sit there and pout for three hours about no, it for sure. No, know? without a doubt. And so, like, go ahead. It is. I mean, so you guys are right. Like he didn't answer it the right way, but the way it was portrayed is that he just hammered the kid for asking the question. Uh, he just didn't. I mean, good for Coach K to go up to the kid, at, I guess, sometime today and smooth it out, and it makes it almost like a memory and mm-hmm. I'm sure some kind of learning experience for this kid and, and everybody else. And, and I think Coach K is pretty classy like that, uh, to be honest. Uh, I've, you've heard stories in the past of, of him doing a lot of different things. Uh, but he probably can also lose his temper and, and be in the wrong state of mind. He's a coach. Welcome yeah. to the biz. Well, well, and I'll be honest. Let's be honest. In terms of experience and press conferences, Coach K has a lot more experience than that kid probably does. Okay? So when the kid asks a, asks a pretty, you know, standard question, I feel like, and then Coach K, who, who I'm a huge fan of, but he feels the need to respond in such a manner where it's like, well, how would you feel if you're in a class? And then I, Like, listen, 
It's not the same thing, Coach K. Okay, like you get paid to answer these questions. That kid that you're trying to compare going to class and taking a test, it's not his job after that test to answer the questions. Okay, you're the head coach of the organization. You're the head coach of Duke basketball. So you got to answer the questions that comes with the territory. And I just thought the way that he went about it. I mean, obviously, it could have been better in hindsight's 2020, but it was completely unnecessary to me. Yeah, uh, I just thought the whole thing was kind of interesting. It's just it's another sign of how things blow up in our world, you know, mm. um, where it was it was a bit of a it was like a nothing story, and it becomes a story. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, it really was a nothing story. Like, like I understand it's a student reporter, and so it's a little bit different. Like if you're me asking the question and he does that, but I mean. Everybody in our business has been in that spot where the guy either misinterpreted your question or gal, uh, didn't like your question, so answered it sarcastically, made it sound worse than it was. Uh, and in, in this instance, it's like, eh, welcome to the big time, kid. But, yeah, but, <laughs> you, know, you know, that's my view yeah, of it. I mean, I guess, man, but let's be honest, though. Let's say that you asked that question. And he responded by saying, well, imagine, Brent, that, you know, you're, you're going through something, and then after that's done, then they ask you the question. Like, to me, like... I just felt like that kid wasn't on the same level as everybody else. Like I, I yeah. felt like Coach K was talking down to that kid because he was a college assistant That's or a, a college. Point. Like, yeah. and, and, and I don't like. Listen, if you're in that role and you're asking him the question, you should be like everybody else and treat him like everybody else. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a fair point right there. Yeah. And and uh, also, if you want to give him an example or didn't like it, then you could do that off to the side. That's exactly. what I always say. Yeah, yeah. I always say don't do that in that setting. Yeah. So uh, from that standpoint, I think you're right on. And by the way, then he gave like just an awful analogy. <laughs> like, I know, the huh? analogy just wasn't good. Like, I would have ripped the analogy more than the actual yeah. tone of everything Listen, uh, in that regard. I had no idea that kid was inexperienced or he was just a college student until Coach K brought that up. And then he, he kind of brought him down yeah. to a, a new level. That's a say. good point. That's yeah. a good point. That's a really good point there. I, I, I agree with that. Alright, we'll be back. Put a bow on the show. Uh, tell you a little bit about the Players' Championship. It's going to be a little bit different this year now. Uh, so, from a an attending standpoint, we'll give you the latest on what's going to happen in six weeks at the Players' Championship. We'll have a TPC Sawgrass Action Sports Jacks on the ESPN 690. Yeah, I mean the Super Bowl is the Super Bowl. Uh, being able to go up against one of the one of the greatest, if not the greatest, quarterback of all time in his 150th Super Bowl. I mean, it's going to be a great experience for me. I mean, to, to go out there and get to get, have a chance to repeat and get to do it against the best. I mean, it's uh, it's something special, and I'm excited for the opportunity. I know who that is. That is Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> We get yeah. used to him, aren't we? Yeah, it's either Patrick Mahomes or every guy that owns like a barbecue shack, uh, you know, on the on the line from Georgia to Florida. But probably Patrick Mahomes, though. Yeah, probably Patrick Mahomes. But you know, he's got that raspy like you want some good barbecue, you know? Like yeah, you know. You know what's really weird about today's show? What you got? It's like I don't feel like we've talked about Jags at all. Like is is the did the Jags have like nothing go on for the first time in a month and a half? Well, when are they going to announce Joe Cullen? Let's go. Come on. But well, yeah, I, think I, we'll, I think we'll probably get some of that uh, this week, is my guess. No, I hear you. Yeah, I feel like Jags, I mean, as far as the news from the organization, has been kind of quiet. And I feel like Jags' Twitter, in terms of going after somebody in the national media, <laughs> has been kind of quiet. Although Brett Favre would be a very eligible candidate. Just saying. Yeah, just he saying. could be. 
but no, so seriously speaking, I mean, think about these last this last month, right? Which we have absolutely loved and, and love everybody listening and checking out the show and yeah. just the engagement. I, I say it all the time, but just the people engaged so we can talk sports. You go, you come here, play a little golf. You're talking Jags. What about Meyer? What about Trevor Lawrence? You, know, you go to the grocery store, the gas station, the wherever people are talking about. It. I love that part of it, mm-hmm. and I think also this is a really good thing. I I think we're about to experience some some good things in Jacksonville. But if you go all the way back to when the Jets beat the Rams, and you think about that was what, about uh, three weeks to go in the NFL season, so that would take it back to somewhere around like right before Christmas. So if you go back to that point to now, uh, you know, the, the end of the season, the firing of Marone, the obvious nature that Trevor Lawrence is going to be the guy, then the search for Urban Meyer, which was, you know, no doubt he was the top guy, 10, 11 days worth. Then the GM. We've heard from Shad Khan three times. We've heard from Urban Meyer a couple of times. We've now heard from Trent Baalke. And then kind of the skids have hit in the last uh, uh, few days. Now, some of that it gets quiet on the weekend anyway because of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and the other part is it would ramp up a bit, a bit, uh, because of the Senior Bowl. But that's not really going to take, be much of a big, big deal. One, because we told you earlier in the show, it doesn't look like Urban Meyer uh, is going or Trent Baalke going. The scouts will be there, but the staff isn't even assembled yet. So Mobile takes on a little bit different meaning. Uh, the Combine doesn't exist. The Super Bowl we know is going to be different than it's been. It's going to have a different feel. We won't be there, Radio Row, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for us, it will feel different. So you just went from this four weeks of boom, 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 news, 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 and then now the last few days, like, hey, what's going on? What are we missing? No, and, you're uh, not lying. Uh, I don't think there's much we're missing. It's just kind of hit uh, a little bit now of a low. And I think you're right, by the way. I think the next thing we see is the announcement of this coaching staff. And that we kind of figure because of reports, right, it's going to be Joe Cullen. It's going to be Daryl Bevel. But yeah. what else, right? Uh, Brian Schneider over the weekend, uh, special teams. Isn't it interesting, Austin, that it does look like they're going after the Seattle stuff? Like, you know, if, you, yeah. if the more and more you look at this, um, I, and I brought this up a bunch in the last few weeks when we were talking about Urban Meyer, but it really looks like Shad Khan said, hey, uh, they brought in Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll hired the GM. Look at the success they've had. We're going to go after that model. We're going to go bring in Urban Meyer, and I understand Pete Carroll had more NFL experience. I get it, but we're going to bring in the guy from college. He's going to help hire the GM, or or we're going to hire him first at least, and we're going to try this model instead this year. And now even Brian Schneider comes over. Bevel has had time with Russell Wilson. I feel like they're poaching a little bit of the system and success that the Seahawks have had. Listen, if they poach the system, the success, the culture building, I'll be a happy man, right? Because, I mean, Seattle, when we talked about this before a little bit, like what Pete Carroll was able to do with that team, you know, the Legion of Boom, Beast Mode, Russell Wilson, like he made the Seahawks cool. Right. Like he he made the Seahawks a contender, number one, but also he gave that fan base hope. And now we always talk about the 12th man, almost like they've been there forever, even though they haven't been right. They kind of hopped on a bandwagon, if you will. I think, you know, in terms of Jacksonville, like you want to see that happen here. Now, I'll be honest with you, because, you know, why I can talk about the defensive side of the ball. I want to see something besides that Seattle defense what we've been kind of accustomed to, it seems like, the past couple of years here. I think that defense, I mean, if you, have the, if you have Richard Sherman, if you got Cam Chancellor, Bobby Wagner, like, yeah, of course, any defense with those types of guys, you're going to have success, right? But you don't have those guys. 
So, like, while I appreciate they're trying to copy the model that got Seattle so much success, and I think Urban Meyer definitely understands this. He has to understand that from a defensive side of the point, whether you do bring in Joe Cullen and whatever he thinks of, of the scheme, but you got to change it from there. Because in my opinion, that defense that Seattle ran when they had all their success, um, you know, it's it's from the old times, if you will. It, it was designed to stop the run first and foremost. And right now we, we have an NFL that is passed first more than likely in every single division. Now, the AFC South could be different because you have Derrick Henry and you have the Colts, and we'll see what happens. But I just think that, obviously, and once again, Urban Meyer knows this, you have to adapt and you have to evolve what the Seahawks did on defense. I just, yeah, it's an observation more than, I don't know if it's copycat, but, again, this feels more Pete Carroll-like, uh, mm-hmm. what, what Seattle did in 2010. You know, Shad Khan has already went down that lane with Seattle in terms of hiring Gus Bradley. That was just a hiring from their system. That wasn't necessarily trying to kind of do what they did in terms of building their power structure. But uh, Todd Wash came from there. You know, so there's just been this Seattle influence. If you think about other influence from other teams and organizations, I feel like the Patriots have always been one that Shad Khan looks at. And I think Pittsburgh is one because yeah. they really try to – he's been patient. And Pittsburgh is a very patient organization, well, so it's yeah. an interesting note. And I think from the Seattle standpoint, like I know people are saying, well, you don't, you don't have the Seattle Seahawks players, you don't have Russell Wilson. And I understand all that, but if you look at that franchise and the evolution of that franchise, going from a defensive first type of team, going from a running first type of team, and now kind of go from a pass first team with Russell Wilson, like the Seattle Seahawks have reinvented themselves time and time again. And they've, they've lost a lot of star players. And usually when you lose star players, you kind of go down a notch. But the Seahawks haven't done that. They've created a culture where regardless of who you have, besides Russell Wilson at the helm in terms of talent around him, they've found a way to be successful on offense and also kind of on defense as well, pending from this past season. Absolutely. Six weeks away from the Players' Championship here at TPC Sawgrass. Health and safety will be a priority. Contactless entry. Masks will be required for fans, modifications, and hospitality programs with social distancing. Looking at 20% of max capacity. We could notice it today with the tents. Not as many of them up. No double-deckers around 17. It's going to be different, but fans will be allowed in six weeks to the Players' Championship. We'll keep you posted along the way. And where are you going to be tomorrow now, Brent? Can you tell us it or not? No. What time zone are you going to be in? Uh, I'll be in Eastern time zone, okay, but you'll okay. find out where we're at tomorrow okay. at 3 o'clock on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690. Koo, sorry you couldn't come out here. Someone else won the damn typewriter, man. We couldn't. You would have won it, but somebody else did. It is. <laughs> we're protesting. It's underway. For Austin Lane, I'm Brett Martineau, Stuart Weber as well. We'll see you tomorrow from who knows where. See you on TV tonight as well, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Have a good night, everybody. If your restaurant has slow bathroom drains and grease blockages, call Superior Plumbing and Pipelining. Superior Plumbing and Pipelining's high-pressure sewer jetting and camera inspection of the drains will assure your peace of mind at your restaurant. Request a free estimate at superiorplumbingjacks.com.